Okay, everybody. So I was thinking about, you know, being here tonight and what I wanted to share with y'all. Some of you had just seen me recently tell a few stories over at the Center for the Arts with my buddy Sean Hayes. So I wanted to refrain from doing those stories again, but I thought, what do I have to share tonight? And it brought me to a couple different things in my life that I, that I thought would be of importance tonight. And I thought about my little brother Mikey and all the little adventures that we had growing up. See, my older brother Thomas, he was about 10 years older than us. And when my mom would give him you know, babysitting money, he would like take us out to the movies, right? He was supposed to take us to the movies, but he would like sneak us, because we were so small. He'd be like, all right, walk behind me. And as we go in, you know, you just go through the gate, yeah. So that's how we grew up. We were always sneaking on the bus. You know, everything we could do was sneaking. So when I was 12 years old, I begged my brother, I said, I want to go see Guns N' Roses, man. You know, Take us to go see Guns N' Roses. My older brother, he's a rocker, you know? My sister, she was like more like artsy. She was into the cure and stuff, right? We weren't allowed to be part of that. My sisters were okay, they could do that. But the boys, we were rockers. And all my friends that would come over, they'd dress us up with like bandanas and big, long, heavy metal t-shirts. When the girls were having their moment, like, I don't know what they are doing, their pedicures or something, we would bust in the door with this boombox, you know? push play with like ACDC or something, like we go, rockers, rockers, storm the girls' room. And, yeah, yeah. So, you know, we, we, we grew up with this element of, we got to rock, you know? And so my brother, he took us to the Shoreline Amphitheater, and uh, we didn't have tickets, we couldn't buy tickets, we sold out, right? Guns and Roses, and Skid Row was opening up, right? So, it's quite the show. It's not the long-haired Heavy metal tops, you imagine. <laughs> and so, you know, we, my brother's like, there's no stopping us getting in, right? So, we said we're gonna rush up these stairs and like make a run for it at some point. So we go running up the stairs, past the security, and we're making it up, and security are coming right behind us, and these people coming down the stairs, they see what we're doing. I'm with my cousin from Ireland as well. Me and my little brother, my cousin, and my older brother. They're gonna run for it up the stairs. So we get up the stairs, and these people, they, they decide they're gonna hold their arms together and block the rest of the security, right? So, you guys trying to sneak in? We're like, yeah! They're like, all right, we're gonna make a block for you. <laughs> so they blocked the security for a second, and we got to the, we got to the, the top of the green where you could go into the, what do you call it, the bleachers or whatever, the greenery up there, you know, the grass. And so me and my cousin and my brother, we run in, and my older brother saw that they were on our tails, so he cut right, you know, just to give him a distraction. And he didn't realize he couldn't get back in, so, we got into the show, man. We were like in there, you know? And my older brother, he got caught, right? And we were chasing him down on horseback in the back there, you know? <laughs> Finally, they threw him out, you know? And he was like, our fucking brothers are in there, man! He's like, you gotta let me back in! And he was trying to fight these security guards, right? So he took one for the team, but me and my little brother, we got to see Guns N' Roses, man. Slash came out on stage, man. Axel did about 20 costume changes. I think he even beat his hands. And that guy was. It was like Mick Jagger time on, on speed, you know? So, uh, you know, my parents, they were very religious. We said the rosary every night. And uh, we had little prayer groups happening in our house pretty regularly. And uh, they were always moving us around and taking us out of school in the middle of the summer and just 
moving us to somewhere else, you know. We'd have no friends, you know, we'd be out in the middle of nowhere, waiting for the next school year to start where we could meet some kids, you know. So we'd be riding around on our bikes. And at one point, they put us out way out at Westminster. It was like the, the boondocks of, of Colorado, like halfway between Boulder and Denver, which is nothing out there besides prairie dogs. So I'd go out there and try to hang out with the prairie dogs and study their little ways. And um, we were just bursting to go see a concert. And we just got to see a concert. It's been a couple years since we'd seen the Guns N' Roses experience. And uh, so when I just called the radio station. I was about 14. And I was like, is there any concerts happening tonight? I had about 15 bucks, and my brother had about 15 bucks. And they're like, yeah, this band playing tonight called Radiohead. And we're like, cool, that's whatever it is, we're going to go see it, you know. We, we recognized one of their songs on the radio, the song Creep, you know. And so we're like, yeah, that's a pretty rocking song. we got to get to that show, right? So my parents, they went home to like 6. We got off school around like 2.30 or something. So we're sitting out in the boondocks with these prairie dogs, trying to figure out a way to get to Boulder, Colorado, the Fox Theater to go see Radiohead, right? And um, it was their first tour of their first album. They'd never, they'd never come to America before, and we had no idea what we were getting into. So me and my brother, we go to the, one of the ladies from our prayer group that was living in this little trailer park thing that we were living in at the time. And her name was Fran. She was a real nice lady. Her husband was in a wheelchair. And so we said to Fran, we're like, hey, Fran, um, do you think you could give us a ride to Boulder? We're going to go see this concert. It's totally cool with my parents and everything. And, you know, if you could just give us a ride there. It would be cool, Fran. And so Fran, being the nice Catholic lady that she was, she decided she was going to take us out to go see this show. So we swindled her and get a ride out there. And we get to the Fox Theater, and it says sold out. And Fran's like, oh, I'm sorry, boys. We're going to have to go home. There's no more tickets. And I'm like, wait a minute, Fran. So me and my brother, we run out. We run back, we run back. And run, we just run straight through the pot, crowd of people. And right as we're running up, this guy goes, I got two tickets. And everybody swarms them, right? So we run through their legs. We're pretty small, you know? And we pop up underneath their legs. And, and this guy's like, handing the tickets to somebody else. And we go, we have $30. We have $30. And he goes, hold on a second. His tickets goes, you guys, you little, you little guys, you get the tickets. And everyone's like, what the fuck? That was some bullshit. And we're like, yeah. So we're like, we're like, it's okay, friend. We got tickets. See you later. Go inside and we're like run up to the front row and we're like stand there. And all these hot college girls are there and stuff. And we hear them talking about mosh pit, you know? And my little brother, he's like 10 and I'm like 14. You know, I don't never heard of this mosh pit thing going on. <laughs> it sounds dangerous. And so uh, I said, Mikey, I'm like, alright, listen, Mikey, man. If anything happens, you know, during this mosh pit, there's gonna be this thing called a mosh. You just grab my leg and I'll, I'll help you up, okay? He's like all shaking. He's like, all right, man. Yeah, cool. So, little did we know, man, Radiohead comes out, and like, it's this sonic phenomenon, man. I, never, I just never believed I could experience something like that as a little kid, you know? And I just came out, laid it on thick, and I was just pouring sweat, dripping the whole time. And I knew that they were going to play that song, Creep, right? They hadn't played it yet, right? And I thought to myself, man, I, just, I really want to do a stage dive. You know, I was just... I was just going crazy thinking about doing a stage dive. So I say to, I say to my brother, I'm like, all right, man, I think they're going to play Creep next. This is pretty much the end of the show. He's like, yeah, I think so too. So I'm like, all right, listen, I'm going to tell the guy that I broke my arm. He's like, yeah, do it, do it. So I go up and I say, hey, man, I, I, broke, I think I broke my arm. He's like, all right, little guy pulls me over the railing. He's like, just go stand over there. Just stay out of the way, you know, it's almost over. 
And so I'm like, okay, and I'm just waiting for my, waiting for my moment, you know? And sure enough, I'm like, right by the side of the stage, like right there, you know? And uh, they start into it, you know? And I'm just like, oh my God, here it is, and I'm waiting. Security are coming from both sides of the stage. They have mounted to the front, just ready to like put their hands up and stop me, you know? <laughs> when you hear me fall, come looking in the eye. You're just like an angel, right? You know the right? It's scary. Slow motion, you know. I wish I was special. The chichi comes in, right? Chichi, I go running, and everything's in slow motion. Chichi, I wish I was special, and I'm just like I got full propulsion. <laughs> they have like this great light show with them as well, you know. And I, I got to like dive over the security. <laughs> But I'm up, and I leaped into the air, and the strobe lights come on. But I'm a creeper, and I'm flying in the air in slow motion. And I made it over the security, and then it was just like, I couldn't believe it. Everybody in the crowd couldn't believe it. They're like, yeah, that kid's like the mailbag. I'm like, oh, I didn't know. I'm it all. And I land on the crowd, and the crowd surfing, and college girls are kissing me. They're like, that was we left that place just on cloud nine, man. We go outside, dripping sweat, high-fiving. High I was just, there's nothing stopping me, man, you know? I did it. And my dad is standing out there in front, right in front of the place, leaning against the car, ready to scold us, right? Our eyes are just so full of light, we're just so happy. Dad, you won't believe what happened! We forgot that he was there to bust us, you know? For running away from home. <laughs> so he never even said boo to us. He was just so delighted that we were so ex exhilarated that, uh, yeah, so that was my first stage time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, one, uh, one tries to disguise their inner nature sometimes by putting a pompadour together or something like that, you know, because uh, there was a period in my life where people really thought that I was a leprechaun. And I think I've gotten away from that look for a little bit, but uh, I was living in Ireland and uh, this is when it kind of first dawned on me that this was uh, going to be a theme. <laughs> and I, I should have known I was that. My hair was bright red at the time, raggedy in bed. And I had these little boots and, you know, short corduroy pants and a little jacket. And, I mean, that's just how I felt comfortable with the way I dressed. You know? I mean, it was just, it was San Francisco living in Ireland, it's no, not so strange. So I'm walking across this bridge over the Cora River in Galway. 
and on the other side of the bridge is this strip of grass, and um, and we normally hang out there, but it was it had just finished raining, so I'm walking across the edge of the bridge, and I look over the strip of grass, and there's the end of the rainbow, in Ireland. My parents have been telling me this story my whole life about leprechauns, and fairies, and kids, you know, meeting all these magical creatures and stuff. I always figured one day I'd, I'd, I'd get to the end of the rainbow in Ireland, you know. But sure enough, there it is. I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. So I go running over towards it. From where I was standing at the edge of the bridge, I could see it landed right in the grass right there. Usually it's behind a house or something, you never find it, you know. There it was, right there. So I go running over to it, and as I'm running towards it, it's, it's moving away. And I can't believe it, you know. So I stand in the spot where I see it, and I, I got my hands on my hips, I'm like, Come on, man. There's nobody around. And I was like, this can't be the end of the story. You know, I'm here. And I kind of started shouting up to the sky a little bit. You know, I'm like, come on, man. There must be something more to this. And then the next thing I hear these three people from where I was at the bridge going, get up! And I look back. From what, they, what they're seeing is me shouting up into the, sky, to the rainbow. So they come running over and, I, and it dawns on me what's happening. And I go, oh, you're kidding me. No way. So I'm like, all right, play along, right? So they come they grab me, they go, we got you, we got you, we got you! <laughs> and I go, calm down, calm down, right? And I go, there's three of them, You each get one wish, but you can't wish for yourself. <laughs> and, they, and they go, he is overcoming! <laughs> and sure enough, like, they're like, they make those beautiful wishes for like, you know, all the sorts of beautiful things that can happen. And I just did a little spin, and I kicked my heels, and I'm like, there we go. And we just went, we went running off high-fiving each other, you know? And there I was standing going, yeah, that really just happened to me? I can't believe that. So years later, I'm walking down 16th of Mission, I just bought this little green hat, and I forgot about that other experience. You know? <laughs> I'm walking down, and I hear this, I hear this like, loud voice go, what? And I, my people kind of just shout at me sometimes, and I'm just kind of used to it. And so I hear this, I hear this thump come behind me, like, and somebody lands behind me right now. Give me your gold, nigga! <laughs> then it dawns on me what's happening, and I kind of fall forward laughing. And I'm like, oh, no, not again. And I think that's it. She runs in front of me, she goes, oh, no, that can't away from me that quick. She's all rubbing her hands, you know, waving her hands in my face. She goes, I won't take my eyes off of you. You'll probably float away or some shit. And I'm like, well, she's got her mythology down straight. And she's backing up against the wall. I'm like, hold on a second, I got my wallet and my passport here. And she's like, she's like, oh my god! And I'm like, okay, 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 listen. She goes, she goes, I know what you meant to say, but what she said was even better. She goes, I know you use this trichedius! And I was like, trichedius, that's genius! What a, what a way to spell break. And uh, so I said, alright, let's play along with us. I was like, alright, listen, um, you know, you really want your gold? And she's like, yeah, you know it! And I put my hand on my heart, I couldn't do anything else. I put my hand on my heart, and I'm like, your gold is in here, and I reached out to touch her. And she slapped my hand, she goes, you're not gonna beat your ass! Never come on trying to touch my titties! What? And those leprechaun stories, they kind of just go on. But I think I'm gonna uh, sing this song. <laughs> Well, the ship that took me out for it to sail the seven seas 
But it's all like a storm on the night that carried me Is that loud? I 
was going through this oleander forest, and you don't want to mess with the oleander. You burn that, you can kill yourself, you know, the fumes are toxic. And I knew not to mess with the oleander, but one day I was just getting tired of having to walk through it. It was so straight, and, you know, it'd be perfect for the floor. Usually I'd ask permission from the trees, but this time I was so scared, I just started chopping at it from a distance, you know. Leaning back, not to get any of that sap in my face, and sure enough, a mist in the air. Got in my lungs and just couldn't breathe. I realized I was in some big trouble, you know. The oleander. I remembered I forgot to ask permission in the first place, and the oleander was being taken out on me. So I ran into that river. I knew that he could heal me, so I ran there and I just dumped myself in, barely made it, could hardly breathe. And I prayed and I said, Please forgive me for you know, making this mistake. And it forgave me and it, it let me be.
keep coming off asphalt, you know? And I wasn't the only one. It looked like the whole place melted. And they say all the spirits that come through this world, they come through that perfect mountain. And he leaves and pulled the holly. So there he was, approaching the beach, pulling the holly in the middle of the night. And the spirits leave the island. Thank you. 
Finally, one day he got the call. He rushed to the hospital and went under the knife. And he got himself a new heart. And part of the deal is, you know, you can't, you can't contact the family at these hearts. We you know if they ask you not to. And I used to tell this story wrong. You know, I remember him telling me this story back in the day. I got a few details wrong, but it was earlier this afternoon I read the, the articles that he sent me. What happened was, after his heart transplant, he had these three episodes. Of these, the first one was like this shock, this shocking terror, this, this, this anxiety, and this depression, this deep sadness overwhelmed his whole being, you know? And he said he felt like the heart of the person that he got had been through something. He was trying to find where he was, you know? He knew it was a 15-year-old boy. The second one was uh, very similar. It's this, this, this trauma, you know? Like, like you could feel the heart being cut out of the boy. The boy not being really okay with that, you know? Well, about a year later after he got this new shot at life, he was strong as a horse. He was dancing every night. I see him down, down at Nikki's on Lower Hate. Dancing Chevy Savage. He was squirming like a dervish, you know. He outdanced everybody, you know. He always had like two or three beautiful women dancing with him, you know. It's interesting because all these years later, I see him over there at ecstatic dance on Tuesday nights, you know. There's Benno, and I know about his heart, you know. Well, they had this thing in San Francisco where they had a the recipient of heart transplants open up their house and you could go on this whole tour. You could go and meet all the people with their new hearts and hear their stories. And so the parents of his heart, they showed up. And he was able to tell them about his son and the feelings that he had of regret and sadness. And the mother, she, she took it in deeply, you know, she cried. She thanked him and she said, you know what, Bill? We live in the Central Valley and he never got along. Never really meant to be there, you know. He was always alienated. He felt like a freak. And he took his own life one day. She said, "You know what? I'm not ashamed about that. I wish he wouldn't have done it. I wish he would have told us he was going to do it. He just wasn't meant to be here, you know. It's really hard for us." She said, "You know what, Bill? His dream in life, everything he always told me. She said, when I get out of high school, mom." Move to San Francisco and get myself an apartment. I'm gonna play music. I'm gonna be a painter. And that night, Meadow got a he got a gig playing saxophone at the sex party. Right? Hold <laughs> up, Queen of Hearts sex party. <laughs> He said he was up there, buck naked, blowing on his saxophone. You know? <laughs> people were like swearing on glitter and stuff. You know? And people were just down there like fucking and sucking and fingering and making out. This is wild sex party. You can only imagine the likes of that, right? And then, you know, the whole story just kind of hit him, you know? Because the heart was beating in his chest, you know? 
His name was Dean, you know. He had to just stop playing for a second, like, just take it all in. And he like, He's like, Dean, man, you made it. You <laughs> <laughs> got all these freaks, boy. They <laughs> to San Francisco, you're playing music, and you're a you know. You just got here a little quicker than you thought you would. Thank you so much, you guys, for having me out tonight. Pleasure to uh, be telling you all stories. I'm going to take a little break and stick, stick around for this channel, yeah?